Welcome back to Relatively Damaged by Damaged Parents. Today we have Lee Huxley with us. She actually started out in the beauty industry and was the owner of her own skincare business in Durban, South Africa for 13 and a half years, where she was passionate about helping women embrace and enhance their outer beauty. Now though, she's come full circle and she's passionate about helping women learn to love and accept themselves by helping them find their personal identity and empowering them to transform their relationship with themselves through unconditional love and acceptance. Hey everyone, Angela Talent here, host of the Relatively Damaged podcast. I'm the author of Poems from a Lost Soul by Angela Talent. As you may know, Cicero once said, a room without books is like a body without a soul. Well, I say a soul without poetry hasn't lived. Buy my book on Amazon, Poems from a Lost Soul by Angela Talent. Do you feel like a meditation failure? I know I did until I tried the iOS Breath and Heart app put together by the good people over at the Institute for Applied Meditation. I kept hearing about the benefits of meditation and was frustrated because I just couldn't sit there noticing my breath for any length of time. Thank goodness there's more than one type of meditation. I'm so glad this worked for me. Will it work for you? I don't know. Download the app and try it out. Breath and Heart from I Am Heart. Lee, welcome to the show. Hi, Angela. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it took you a lot to get to this point. We were talking before the recording started, and there were a couple of different struggles, which we may separate into two different podcasts. We'll find out. But which one would you say is at the forefront of your heart right now, speaking to you right now, that it's like, this is what we need to talk about today? I think the springboard could be the frequency of shame. Mm -hmm. And guilt is kind of woven into that. And for a lot of my life. So I'm in my mid fifties now. So I would say this journey really started in my late twenties, very late twenties. Although there were, there were hints of it earlier on in my journey, but the journey of which ended up being a journey of shame start with infidelity. In your twenties? Well, late twenties. So (laughs) there were, there was hints of it before. I'll go back to that. But Also to tie into that, there was also shame around skin because I had, I struggled with acne for like three decades of my life. And the the paradox was that I ran a skincare clinic. (laughs) There was this whole perfectionism thing going on with me, which has been a thread my whole life, not anymore. So going into the industry, thought I had to be perfect in every single way. I chose to go into the industry, loved being in the industry with building relationships with clients. But there was this underlying shame that this was who I'm saying I was, and this is what I'm promoting, but yet this is not what's going on with me. May I ask a clarifying question? Yes, sure. Was it because you're in the skincare industry and yet you couldn't, the acne was just something your body was struggling with. And because the acne wasn't clearing up, then being in the skincare industry was kind of, it felt shameful. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, what I I'm am. Understanding? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm interpreting it back, back to you. Yeah, because 
in the skincare industry, if you're a skincare specialist, your skin should be perfect. You know, that, that's oh. the outer world view. So, you know, if you're not, if you're not modeling that, then maybe you're not doing something right. But why I'm saying this is it all dovetails in was I was doing everything correct externally, my diet, my the protocols, everything. But I, what I didn't realize was all this emotional turmoil that was going on inside of me because I was putting myself under so much pressure to run the business perfectly, to be perfect in the business, to this whole perfection. And it was all just this cauldron bubbling up. And the metaphysical, if you were to look at that, when somebody's dealing with skin problems, it's often you putting a barrier between you and the world because you are hiding something within yourself. So that's generalizing. Mm -hmm. And it may make sense to some people and other people might not be able to relate with it. But this is, I'm speaking from hindsight. At the time, I knew nothing of this. I didn't mm -hmm. realize it was the stress I was putting on myself to run the business perfectly, to be full-time in the business perfectly, to look perfect all the time. What it did, however, so that was the shadow side. The gift side of it was that it gave me tremendous compassion for women struggling with their skin because I knew so deeply down inside what it was like every Day, twice a day when you confronted with your image in a mirror with no makeup mm -hmm. sinking horrendous feeling of shame you know that would just be there so I could relate to that and so I was able to be supportive to women struggling with that for whatever reason so that was the gift in that from my perspective what I'm hearing is that because you worked in the skincare industry maybe not maybe because you worked in the skincare industry, you should have had perfect skin. Because you worked in the skincare industry, you should have known how to fix it, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Like the internal talk might have been something like this. I'm no good because I can't yeah. fix this. And here I am helping other people fix it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this whole enmeshment and entanglement that comes, is woven into it. So I ran this business for 13 and a half years and most of the time was in my 20s. So I started, I was, I became a business owner. It just happened at the age of 21. And so I nearly burnt out by the age of 28. And then I realized what was going on. And so I started changing things. But to carry on with the perfectionism story, in my mind, I had in my mind at the age of 28, I would be a mom. I would have one boy, one girl. And I would have them and raise them and still run my business and just do everything perfectly. Right. Well, the paradox, well, it wasn't paradox, but what came out of that was I was confronted with infertility. Oh, infertility. I thought it was infidelity the way I read it. I apologize. No, no, no. You're quite correct. Oh, okay. You're quite correct. So infertility. So I went on that whole journey of now what's wrong with me and why can't and the whole journey on that and investigations and it turned out that it it was me because of the stress that I was had put myself under running this business perfectly all the time nearly burning myself out but it was also my then husband's it was a big problem with his sperm count so we underwent procedure and went through the whole ICSI and it didn't work 
But at the same time, with all the strange dynamics going on, it was a very close friend of a mutual friend. It was his best friend. It was a, a friend to add another layer. We were very involved in the church. There's the religious layer on top of that. Plus, I grew up as a, I was a minister's daughter. So there's another layer. Mm -hmm. So all the, these layers of shame just built and built. Now, this dear friend, we became very close. It wasn't a physical relationship, but it was just a very deep, intimate, emotional relationship, which I had lost connection with my then husband because of his corporate life and my running my business. This is all hindsight is perfect vision. I could see that my emotional needs weren't being met, but at the time I didn't know. And so we developed this relationship and it sounds not nice, but I don't regret that relationship because it showed me another side of love, which I hadn't experienced. Could you tell me what it what you mean by it showed me this other side of love that I hadn't experienced? The warmth, mm. which I had initially, I met my first, my then husband when I was 15, and we got married when I was 19. And But that wasn't the issue because I grew up in a family, I was a very late child. So I grew up as my own, on my own as an only child. So my parents were a lot older. My siblings were 18 and 19 years older and 13 and a half years older. They all married young. They all had young families. This to me was normal. And then to go back to the religious side of it, you didn't have sex before marriage. Right. So if you wanted to experience that, then you needed to be married. I chose to be married. We were in love. We had a very close relationship. But then life separated when he went into the corporate world and I ran my business and we just went on different train tracks. And all of a sudden, there was this deep emotional need in me, which I didn't realize I had. And this friend filled that need. And he was very sensitive. He was, he was not the A-type personality of my then husband. He had this very gentle, loving, warm side of it, of, of him that I hadn't experienced. That is what I mean. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so the fertility treatment didn't work. So you go through a grieving which surprised me but yeah and then so you um, had to grieve the idea of having a family yeah yeah and then I thought it wasn't going to happen and then this relationship with this friend turned physical in the last I can't remember six months maybe and then what happened I fell pregnant oh dear <laughs> so, yeah. oh ouch <laughs> yes and I'm, you're still married at this point yeah we were all involved in the church no one else really knew that you guys were over here having this other relationship. No. Mm. Was that hard to hide too? Yeah, there's a lot of secrecy, mm -hmm. a lot of secrecy, which shocked, what shocked me about it was, how, this is going to sound strange, how naturally it came to me to be secretive. It really shocked me. So when you were with your husband, you did you have feelings of guilt about this other relationship? Of course, of course. Okay, yeah, okay, of course. So when you mean naturally, what does that mean to you? When it came naturally, how how resourceful I was in keeping this whole thing secret. Okay, which really surprised me. So you really had to go out of your way to yeah protect this secret. Yeah, because we were all embroiled in, we, we saw each other as friends within our friendship community on a regular basis. Mm. 
and then we saw each other privately and yeah. you know so yeah the, so there was there lots and lots of layers and and the guilt and the shame built and built and built and built and I did not like who I was towards my husband because I knew it would hurt him and I'm not a natural I'm not a hurt I don't go out of my it doesn't come naturally for me to hurt people in fact I was very much and for a long time in my life very much the people pleaser mm-hmm. yeah I put everybody's needs first above yeah. mine yeah and I think it's really interesting because you know, probably someone on the, you know, maybe, maybe your ex-husband, but anybody in that situation might think, oh, they did this on purpose. Yeah. And no, even just having this conversation with you, this, this naturally happened over here. It happened over a period of a good period of time as well, like three years. Yeah. It wasn't just a. Right. Right. And, and then there, there was still shame and guilt and this not yeah. wanting to hurt anyone. It sounds like, no. okay, so now you're pregnant. You're, you find yeah. out you're pregnant. <laughs> yeah. The paradox of it was that I was delighted about being pregnant. Mm. And I saw it as a gift and an opportunity to become a mom. But at the same time, I was so afraid of losing my baby because I felt that I'd be punished for what I'd done. Wow. Right. So there's this whole balance going on. I hadn't thought of that when we were first coming into this. That yeah then you would feel like you needed to be punished yeah and then the shame yeah and the guilt so that feeling of punishment came from that shame and guilt probably yeah and then were you also in some ways maybe relieved because the pregnancy would now mean you had to open up this can of worms I guess for lack of a better way to put it with and tell your husband or well, it was definitely an edge of the cliff moment, but I, the way I dealt with it, I still remember it so clearly in my mind was I, I told my dear friend and we were like both in shock because I really didn't think it was possible and nor did he. And I just had this yearning inside to go and see my parents who at that stage, my they, they always lived a further away, so it involved a plane ride away. By that time, my dad had retired from the ministry and my mom was in the early, um, the stages of early Parkinson's disease. So they were dealing with their own issues and then I appear. So, and I didn't explain why. And then I, I told them, and that was the first breaking of the shame that was the first pebble in the pond and then surprised at how they responded and then the next pebble in the pond the next ripple I should say from that well it wasn't just a pebble it was a boulder (laughs) (laughs) right but what was surprising you said it that your parents response surprised you what was surprising about how they responded well don't forget my dad was a minister and my mom Mm -hmm. was a minister's wife and so the whole belief system around infidelity and all this sort of thing. And my mom had the most surprising response of all, she said. I mean, it did help that my dad, they both went into the ministry in their 50s. So they had had life experience before that, and they had had their own trials and tribulations. So it wasn't like, but there is a long history of religion strict religion in our family background so it all gets woven in 
But my mom was like, well, if you look at the animals in the wild, it's the female who chooses the male. And if she feels that their their sperm isn't strong enough to give her a healthy baby, she's going to choose somebody else. Mm. And she says, and so that's what's happened. It's like, oh, okay. So so you're surprised from mom. What, and then what did dad Very do? Much. Dad was just supportive. Oh, what dad said, you are to phone your husband right now and tell him. And is that what yeah. happened? Yeah. And what was that like? It was horrible because it was a double whammy for him. It wasn't just that I had been unfaithful. His right. friend had been unfaithful mm. and we together had been unfaithful. Mm. So it was horrendous for him. I stayed there for a, a while and a few days. And my dad and I, because my mom was struggling physically, with her coordination my dad and I they they lived for that time briefly along on the coast in a retirement village and we just had walks along the beach and I and we spoke about things and I just said to him that the fear in me of going back was so strong I was like dad I, I understand now why in the old testament they stoned women because right now I'd rather be stoned than go back and face not just my husband but face close friends, make decisions on what's going to happen. I still had my business and it was run from home. So the business got shut down for whilst all this was going on for a week. So on all sorts of levels, I had a lot to face going back. So it took a lot of courage. So you did, you went back then and faced it. And would you say today that you're by going and facing it, which took a tremendous amount of courage, that you are grateful that it that that's what happened that you chose that journey and if so what was the best part of going back to face it or the most interesting or surprising thing that happened mm, it was a long time ago i think the most helpful thing was just being honest and also knowing d- discovering how resilient we can be and we are when we're faced with difficult situations. The acronym of fear is false evidence appearing real. It's when we run from fear that fear chases us. But if we stop and we look fear squarely in the face, a doorway opens and we can walk through. And it's a step of faith, a step of courage. Yeah. So yeah, lots of mixed emotions, Mm -hmm. lots of blurred lines, lots of decisions that had to be made. But yeah, taking responsibility as well mm-hmm. for my actions. Right. But then but then the other side was the initial issue was never ever resolved. What do you mean the initial issue was never resolved? Between my husband and I, the lack of intimacy and I mean emotional intimacy intimacy, but if I think back, once he knew and he accepted that he if he ever wanted to fulfill the desire of him becoming a father, this was the route that had been presented to him because he wasn't actually ever going to become a natural father because of his very low sperm count. So he accepted that. And that's another key thing. Once you can accept something, you can work with it. So he accepted. That was a very healing time when I was pregnant. He was very supportive. We had a lot of deep conversation but then once my little boy was born and then life carried on and then we moved over to the UK and he got really busy and, and, and sucked into the corporate world again, that mm-hmm. those issues of intimacy and his drive to perform and get ahead in life 
just left me standing again. But this time I was fulfilled in a different way because I now I threw myself into motherhood, which yeah, I yeah. so wanted. So that was my 30s and 40s. But the love triangle reared its head again because those issues of what I was yearning mm-hmm. never got the whole thing just got swept under the carpet. Right. So so you found yourself in the in similar position needing that emotional intimacy again when did the healing really start much much later when I shared I broke the shame when I shared because the whole time I had the strange thing going and well it could actually be my then husband's child it could actually it could actually and then when we moved from it got the, the an opportunity to move to the UK as an expatriate which we did so my son was a year old and that was a huge relief to me because I was like right I can go somewhere where nobody knows my name it's a clean slate for me I haven't got all these pretenses I'd sold the business still kept in touch with a few people some people knew of the real story a lot of people didn't my family didn't but then I came to realize that my dad actually told them so there was a strange thing going on when I say family I mean my siblings but the thing that broke my shame was when I told my very best friend who was also very close in our friendship circle of all of us and and then dealing with her reactions and emotions and her her divided loyalties of Tashif so but that that once I I mean it, it was horrendous sharing that with her but once I did it opened up the conversation for me to then tell others and speak of it and because I wasn't locked in it anymore but I still it's a whole long journey of healing yeah and self-forgiveness was is huge forgiveness I always found it very easy to forgive others but well to forgive yourself for (laughs) the turmoil and hurt that you cause in others lives yeah what would be the top three things that if someone finds themselves in the situation that you were in that you would say definitely try this talk about it Mm -hmm. process all those emotions don't let them get stuck in your body because when we don't process emotions they get stuck in our body that's eventually what leads to disease form it takes mm-hmm. talk about it talk about process. it write about it mm-hmm. process it mm-hmm. contemplate on it don't get stuck in your head on it because that mm. just causes causes the ruminating thoughts and so whatever is helpful practice whether it's talking therapy whether it's energy management like emotional freedom technique or going on a coaching journey where you're exploring your limiting beliefs and what were the limiting beliefs under all this and I mean again I'm talking from hindsight I didn't know all that then process it don't let it stick in your body and yeah forgiveness for sure yeah probably not just yourself but no. even the people around you for what yeah they couldn't give you I'm thinking just well, exactly yeah 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 forgive the, yourself for the role you've played and forgive others for the roles they've played and and also get, step out of judgment as to this was right and this was wrong mm. it's both and when, when we get stuck in this polarity thinking it's horrendous It can be devastating. It is. It can destroy you. So step away, see the shadow, face the shadow, see the gift in the shadow. There is always a gift, always. 
and then just approach it as an experience as I would I choose to repeat that experience or would I choose not to repeat that experience right right so now then it just becomes an experience yeah well, I am so grateful to have got to have you on the show. It feels like we've only been talking for five minutes and we're at almost, <laughs> we're way past that. But you guys can find Lee Huxley on Instagram at, at HuxleyLee.com and her information will be in the show notes. She's also on Facebook at Lee.Huxley.7 is her tag there. And you can also email her at Heavenly and she spells Heavenly, H-E-A-V-E-N, l-e-i-g-h dot spiritual coaching at gmail.com you can email her direct any last words before we close out the show just about the social media i'm more active on the facebook now than i'm on the instagram but just approach life as a journey and there's lots of twists and there's lots of turns there's lots of mountains there's lots of valleys just keep moving yeah oh that's great to end on thank you so much do you feel like a meditation failure I know I did until I tried the iOS Breath and Heart app put together by the good people over at the Institute for Applied Meditation. I kept hearing about the benefits of meditation and was frustrated because I just couldn't sit there noticing my breath for any length of time. Thank goodness there's more than one type of meditation. I'm so glad this worked for me. Will it work for you? I don't know. Download the app and try it out. Breath and Heart from I Am Heart. Hey everyone, Angela Talent here, host of the Relatively Damaged Podcast. I'm the author of Poems from a Lost Soul by Angela Talent. As you may know, Cicero once said, a room without books is like a body without a soul. Well, I say a soul without poetry hasn't lived. Buy my book on Amazon, Poems from a Lost Soul by Angela Talent. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Relatively Damaged by Damaged Parents. We really enjoyed talking to Lee about how she learned to love herself. We especially liked when she spoke with an abundance of love for the process of living life and learning about herself. To unite with other damaged people, connect with us on TikTok, look for damaged parents. We'll be here next week, still relatively damaged. See you then.